I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, Child of weakness, watch and pray, Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson We see why all honor, praise, and glory belongs to Him, don't we? He did pay it all. Satisfied God. Praise the Lord. And as we walk in this life, attempting to satisfy God the Father with our life, praise God, we've got the Lord Jesus standing between us and Him. And yes, we are covered by what He did on the cross of Calvary. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we have been studying uh, on the Ten Commandments. I should say we have began a study on the Ten Commandments. We haven't gotten very far. Uh, we spent a good bit of time determining uh, why we need the Ten Commandments. Why did God give us His moral laws? And that's what they are. Uh, he did not nail them on the cross when He died on the cross. What he did do away with was the unnecessary uh, preparations of men that he established. Now, it was God's law uh, that they make these sacrifices. But every one of those sacrifices we have established were pointing to Jesus Christ. We're pointing to that point in time when he would come and fulfill all of those prophecies of him in the Old Testament. And he did so. He fulfilled them. And things changed when he died on the cross. We've established that. We pointed out that when he died on the cross, that the veil in the temple was rent or ripped from top to bottom. We established that that was done by God to show that we now personally, individually, have access to Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. No one can go in, could go through or around that curtain or that veil into the room or the holiest of holies it was called. Only the high priest. We well, see the reason that was done away with is because Jesus established himself as our high priest when he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. All right. He paid it all. He paid the price once and for all. We also have established that. We've established that God's moral laws are in the Ten Commandments. It is a structure for us to live by. And as we do live by them, yes, God is pleased. Yes, we are prosperous in this life for Him when we obey Him. The Lord asked the question, why you say you love me? And yet you don't do what I've told you is the right thing to do. Do we love him? Absolutely. Do we seek to please him? Absolutely. Why? Because we have been given an affinity for him. We have been given a love for him that we could not establish on our own. Why? The Bible tells us that our hearts are wicked. Who can know it? That we have no spiritual power. God raised you from the dead when he saved you the same way he did Lazarus from the grave. He gave you life and he gave you a command. He said, come forth. The same way he commanded Lazarus to come forth. The Ten Commandments represent the moral character of God. That's what, in our life, we attempt to, we live to, we strive to establish our lives based on His character. Who kept the law? I didn't. Did you? No. But Jesus Christ did. You see, He kept the law 
And He was qualified to stand in your place before a holy, righteous God who, as Brother Chuck has already pointed out, He, he doesn't sweep sin under the rug like we tend to do. Or we see it as not so bad if it's us, but a whole lot worse if it's somebody else. God's not like that. Every sin has been or will be paid for. That's the character of God. He's holy, righteous, and pure. Cannot look upon sin. All right. So we also looked at the place of God's Word in us. Does God's Word have a place in you? Well, in me where? Well, in your heart, in your mind. The Lord was talking to some of those that actually hated Him, were out to get Him in John eight thirty seven, And He said to them, You seek to kill Me. And they did. They hated the fact that He made Himself one with God, even though it was the truth. He said, You seek to kill Me. Why? Because My Word has no place in you. So I asked, does the Word of God have a place in you this morning? Let me tell you, you have reason to praise Him if it does. If you care about doing the right thing, if you care about establishing your life, even so that others see, and perhaps they say, wow, that's not like Him at all. I've known Him all my life. I've never known Him to want to go to church and want to worship God and talk about God all the time. That must really be God in him. He must really have changed. Our number one desire should be to seek him. And the uh, goal of that is to be like him. To be like him. To think like him. Paul tells us to have the mind of Christ, doesn't he? But did the Lord just give us these Ten Commandments and say, okay, do your best. Good luck. No, He didn't, did He? Brother Gene read to us something this morning for a reason. No, God gave us, through Paul, in his letter to the the church at Ephesus, a formula to prepare for the battle. Well, what is the battle? Well, you and I have the desire to be like God. We've already established that the moral law that He gave us is from His character. So we want to have that kind of character, don't we? We want to be like Him. So who doesn't want us to be like Him? The enemy. The enemy is Satan himself. The exact same lie that he told in the Garden of Eden is being told today and being established in the minds of men. You don't really need God. You can do it on your own. You can make up your own laws. You can make up your own rules. If it feels good to you, you can do it. No matter what God says. 
unfortunately, uh, they teach our children these very things, don't they? That are against the Ten Commandments, that are against God's way. All right. Now, that's what we have previously established. Now, this morning, if you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll see if we can push a little further into this study of the Ten Commandments. And our ability to keep them. Now we did look last week at the first commandment. And we did establish some things here. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God has to be number one in our lives. There's just no other place for him. Everything else including fishing for a living, has to be put down lower than following him. In other words, he told the fishermen, come and follow me, and they dropped their nets. They left their father in his business that they were a part of and followed him. Why? Because with power he called them. And with power he has called you this morning to come and to follow him. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 6. And if you're familiar with uh, Ephesians 5 and 6, you know that Paul is teaching here. And he makes reference to the Ten Commandments. He makes reference to following the moral laws of God. He is teaching the church at Ephesus to walk as children of the light. So in our passage, and he goes through children obey your parents in the first verse of 6. And he's honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. That it may be well with you that thou mayest live long on the earth. Fathers provoke not your children. Okay, you see what's being taught here. Follow God's word. Okay, in verse 10, finally, my brethren, he's telling us, he's teaching them and us how to live, submit yourself, uh, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God, that's in 521, now he comes down to verse 10 in chapter 6 and he says, finally, okay, we're here now. I've been teaching you all this. Finally, I'm going to teach you now how you're going to go about doing what I've been teaching you to do. All right? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Where does our strength come from? To be like Him, to live like Him, to love His Word? It comes from Him, doesn't it? We certainly don't have it in and of ourselves. No. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His. Oh, our Savior's been given all power in heaven and earth. Praise His name. Verse 11. These are instructions on how to prepare for this battle that is going on in our minds. What? Okay, what's the battle? Well, we've sort of laid that out. The battle is the enemy. 
is attacking you in your mind. There is a battle going on in your mind if you love the Lord this morning. There's a battle going on. But Paul here, through the Holy Spirit of God, lays out to us how to combat his enemy. He shows out how he shows us how important that is. Verse eleven, he says, "Put on the whole armor of God." Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The techniques, the plans of the devil, and he does have plans to hurt you. It's a fact. He has plans to pull you away from serving God. But. God has given us directions on how to defeat Him. On how to win this battle. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wow. That kind of takes it out of us being able to punch something and get rid of it, doesn't it? Spiritual wickedness in high places. What power can overcome such a thing? God's power. The strength on which we stand, and that is the strength of the Lord. Being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, when I was a little kid, I know that was a long time ago, I liked wrestling. Remember wrestling? I know it's still going, but it's different now. It's kind of pretty much satanic now. I wouldn't watch. But when I was little, it was really something. Even in high school, we wrestled, remember? And it was all about what? It was all about position, wasn't it? It was all about position. If your opponent held your shoulders, both shoulders, down to the mat for the count of three, it was over. Remember that? It's all about position. Where are we in the battle? Where are we in the match? Well, it's a wrestling match. It's a spiritual wrestling match. And the enemy has some secret submission holds. When I was little, I remember a fellow named... Uh, Phil Lucas. Ah, came back to me. Everybody, y'all know as old as I am. Phil Lucas. Remember Phil Lucas that had the sleeper hole? He was really famous for it. Yeah, he Sleeper hole. Yeah, I mean, he was really famous back in the 50s and 60s. That's true. He put the sleeper hole on you, it was over. I mean, it was over. There was actually a lawsuit. I know I'm chasing something, but... There's actually a lawsuit one time because he went on a talk show and he put the host to sleep and they sued him. The host wasn't expecting it. I mean, he put him down and out. And the way it happens is, uh, nowadays it's called something, choke, naked choke or something. Rear naked choke. Rear naked choke. Where you shut off two things that are necessary for the brain to function properly and to think clearly it's blood flow to the brain 
and it's heir to the lungs. Basically, both of the things starve the body of good blood. If you shut off the air, then your blood doesn't have any oxygenation in it, and it can't provide what the body needs. That's how the body... We are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? Let me tell you this morning that Satan has a sleeper hole. And he applies it every chance he gets against God's people. What is it? Well, it's something that shuts off the supply of what we need. What is that supply? It's the Word of God, isn't it? The Word of God is manna from heaven, just like in the Old Testament. They were given instructions of what to do with that manna. You remember that? They had to go out and pick it up every morning and prepare it. Now, they could have just looked up, looking for more quail or whatever, and walked all over it. And that's what's happening today with God's Word. It, people are stomping all over it. And it's sad. Okay, so what's this technique, huh? This technique is temporary happiness, though we don't see it that way when we're experiencing it with the things of this world. The things that bring us joy. I love to put a worm on a hook and watch that cork go under. It just tickles me inside. I've been doing it since I was a little bitty. I love it. But I can't love it to the point that it takes the place of God in my life. These are the things that Satan uses to put us where? Asleep. He puts us asleep, doesn't he? He lulls us to sleep. Like somebody, a hypnotist. Watch this. This is fun. This will make you happy. This will make you feel good inside. People will like you. Watch this. And he lulls us to sleep. And we forget what God has done for us. And we forget to put God first in all of our thoughts. All right. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Wherefore, verse 13, Ephesians 6, 13, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Let me tell you, that's something that the enemy hates is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants to change it. He wants to convince you to change it. Convince you to add to it so it will be more palatable to the human nature. So that it will be uh, more attractive to the human nature. Let me tell you, when God saved us, He gave us a new nature. And praise God, he's drawing us away from that old nature. Satan wants to bring us back to that old nature and convince us you can be your own God. You don't have to listen to him. You can make up your own mind. 
Your loins girt about with truth. What does that do? It holds everything together, don't it? The truth holds everything together. The truth shall make you free. Oh, if we could just stick with the truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate cover? What does it protect? My heart. This new heart that God has given me. He took out the stony heart that was opposed to him, that listened to the enemy and the fallen human nature. And he put in a soft heart, a pliable heart, with an affinity or a love for him. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? He's talking about our walk. That's what Paul's been teaching. How do you walk every day as the Lord? How do you do it? And now he's telling us how, isn't he? And I realize that we're just skimming across the surface of this this morning. But I want us to see that God didn't leave us on our own to follow his ways. No, he teaches us how to do it. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. When you get up in the morning, you get ready to enter into your life. You're going to work. You're going to school. Whatever it is, you're going to put your shoes on, aren't you? You are. You're going to have shoes on your feet. Here Paul tells us, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? It's a fact that mankind was fallen from the Garden of Eden. He was separated from God, spiritually died. God said, in the day that you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil that grows in the midst of the garden, you shall surely die. But we're here, and we're their descendants. So what happened? Did they die or not? They died spiritually. They were separated from God. And they passed that down to every human that was born of a woman except for one. God's plan is perfect, isn't it? That one person did not have a man involved in his conception or birth. And that was Jesus Christ. He qualified to redeem God's children who were lost because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. Not only did he qualify, he volunteered for and carried out what God demanded. That's the gospel of peace. The truth of that will set you free from yourself and from the enemy. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Above all, taking the shield of faith. What does that mean? The shield of faith. That's belief in Him. That He is the true and living God. He didn't just die on that cross for somebody else. No, the belief that He died on that cross for you and for me. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and they are being fired at you 
in this wrestling match, in this battle, in your mind. And take the helmet of salvation. I was just talking to a friend of mine. Well, he was here a couple Sundays ago, Lloyd Thrasher. His son plays high school ball, and he's being chosen to play, play college ball. He was telling me about the helmet, anyway. He paid, I think, $2,000 for a football helmet, something like that. It was enormous. But it was worth it because it's going to protect. It is to protect his son's brain while he's playing this game. And that's what the helmet protects. Our mind, our brain. It is the helmet of salvation. Which was given by the Lord. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, what is that? The Word of God. He just told us what it was. And let me tell you, they weren't peeling potatoes and carrots with those swords back then. No, they were taking life to protect life. That's a fact. They were using it to protect themselves and to further God's kingdom. And that's what we're doing today. Well, I tell you, we serve a marvelous Savior, don't we? He has given us all that we need to follow Him. And then... He's given us instructions on how to accomplish it. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all, believing that He is your God. Now all things work together for your good because you love Him and because you are the called according to His perfect plan and purpose. What a Savior. So glad y'all were here today. I praise God for your presence and I pray that uh, something might have been said and something heard that would bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ who deserves it all. May God bless the reading of his word this day.